Welcome to episode four of 30 Racket Sports. It is November 10th. To my left, well, maybe I should introduce myself first. I'm Greg, racking with you. To my left, a man serving a two to four podcast suspension for illegally accepting <laughs> beers from my fridge. Zach, how's it going? Uh, fuck you. It's going pretty good. And to my right, on the ones and twos, a man who's only had a couple of uh, pleasant dreams about Joseph Burrow this week. Josh, how's it going? Uh, it's going all right. Uh, you know, 0 and 9, whatever. We're back. <laughs> we back. Back into the regular uh, 9 to 5s of losing. 0 to 9s of losing, 9 to 5s of losing. It's kind of all the same at this point. But here we are in a brand new week for 30 Rack of Sports, so we're doing just fine. And you know what? There's one thing that could make you do a lot better. I'm going to kick it over to Zach to intro the beer that he brought this week. Zach, what are we drinking this week? Uh, this week, Greg, we're drinking a nice uh, 50 West Coast to Coast Indian Pale Ale. Um, Cincinnati, Ohio. Back at it again. Back at it again with the Cincy. Yeah, it's a great brewery. If you're in the Cincinnati area, check that out down. Uh, take 50 West. You'll run into it. <laughs> oh, no way. All right, well, let's crack these bad boys open. All righty. Well, oh yeah. While we're enjoying some some Fifty West IPAs, to either revel in victory or drown our sorrows. Maybe uh, Josh, want to get some of that that music teed up so we can do that thing. You mean that music? Uh. <laughs> oh gosh. If there if there's one thing that could keep me from being utterly disappointed with you right now, it's a Browns win. The Browns take down the Buffalo Bills 19 to 16 in what can only be called a fucking terrible game. Um, the Browns were in it, so. Thankfully for the Browns, it took a uh, last minute missed 50 plus yard field goal by Steven Hauschka of the Bills to get the Browns out of there with a three point victory. Browns go to three and six on the year. Uh, Baker, no turnovers today. 26 of 38, 238 yards, two touchdowns. Chubb, 116 yards rushing. Landry, nine catches, 97 yards, and a touchdown. But as usual, the big takeaway from this game is that Freddie Kitchens has absolutely no idea what he's doing while calling plays. No, not at all. Uh, fun little fun little stat for you that we may get back into with, with some grumbles later, but uh, the Browns were the first team in NFL history to have six plays from within the two-yard line and come away with no points. Whether, how, well, How do you come away? Break it down. How do you come away with no points? So you have a pass on first down that uh, Beckham gets held. So pass interference, go to the one-yard line, try to do a weird outside run to Chubb, Lose a yard. Do the same play to Beckham. Get another pass interference call. Run up the middle. This same crappy reason why that takes forever and it's like a half pitch play for a loss of a yard. One of those awesome goal line fades to Beckham. Another pitch play. And then finally from fourth and one from the one, instead of just trying to, I don't know, just run a bunch of QB sneaks, they try to run Chubb single back into a bunch of defenders and end up losing two yards. I mean, it's just, it's, if I was looking from the outside, it'd be hilarious, but looking at it from a Browns fan, it's so frustrating to the point where 
I'm not going to be one. I'm not one of those guys most of the time that says, hey, I could call a better game than, than you know, coach. You know, they go through all this preparation and stuff like that. But when you're first and goal from the one, just sneak the ball, dude. I mean, do they Four not times? have a fullback? They have a fullback? No, they don't have a fullback on roster. What? They just have one of those tight ends that jumps in. I mean, yeah. It's okay, a, well, then do the t- do like the offset tight end set, jumbo set, run it in with Chubb. Yeah. Why would you do that with, I your, mean, with your awesome running It's back? not just Why the Browns. You, you see this every week with these coaches. I don't get it. So, yeah, the Browns had uh, another also uh, first and, I believe, goal to go from the three possession where they ended up doing nothing, getting down to the two, and then we're about to go for it on fourth and two before a full start pushed them back and forced them to kick a field goal. So basically, somewhere out of the Browns, stupidity turns into luck. Um, we're able to overcome a last couple minutes pitch play, a shovel pass play that ended up getting dropped and returned for a touchdown before they deemed it being a forward pass. Um, overcame a fumble by Josh Allen that was fumbled forward about eight yards and picked and picked up for a first down at the one. So a lot of weird plays, a lot of sloppy plays, not as many turnovers. No turnovers. No, no, no turnovers tur- in well, the game at yeah. all. Wow. No turnovers in the game at all. Um, less penalties than what we're used to. Really, I think there was only, there was, on the first offensive play, there was about a 30-yard penalty on Denzel Ward for pass interference. But aside of that, fairly clean game and... Honestly, a game the Browns desperately needed to have to keep any semblance of playoff hopes alive. They win 19 to 16, get to three and six, have Pittsburgh on Thursday before a game against Miami and another game against Pittsburgh. So, you know, if we could figure out this play calling, I could easily see us at six and six or much worse if we can't figure this out. Definitely have to win at least one of the Pittsburgh games. Well, yeah. Win the Miami game. I mean, they're four and four right now, so. Yeah, if you honestly, can win if one you're of those, the Browns, you can probably only drop one more game this year and expect to expect to have a chance. You think nine and seven gets you in? I, I that that's the only way you could have a chance. I well, think. yeah, yeah. I yeah. think the only way to possibly assure yourself in in 2007 it wasn't assured is to win out. But I think that's about the closest to a probably 90 percent chance you get in. You lose a game, you're probably hanging in the balance. You lose two, you're done. So. At this point, something has to get going. Thankfully, a step in the right direction, but um, just been take a number of the missteps. win, guy. You're all. You, I came over here today, and I would have thought they lost. You're all worked up. Still, just take the win. I mean, yeah. I mean, you do have. If you can get one of the wins against Pittsburgh, then you pretty much have to just ride your easy schedule out. You know, I hate to. I hate to say this is a uh, one former football person once said but just do your jobs you just have to do your jobs and if you do your jobs i think the browns are going to be just fine yeah i mean two against the Bengals, two against the steelers and then games against miami arizona and baltimore but like i said like i said a better schedule the one thing i can say is step in the right direction something to be happy about which is probably more than josh can say right now as we shift over to the southwest side of ohio the Bengals lose forty-nine to thirteen in the uh, in the inaugural game of the Ryan Finley experience. Finley, sixteen of thirty, one hundred and sixty-seven yards, a touchdown, but a pick and a fumble both returned for touchdowns. Um, Mixon did have one hundred and fourteen yards rushing, but uh, Lamar threw the ball all over the place. 
Robert Griffin even got in for the uh, fourth quarter, and the Bengals really only get blown out for about the second time this season, but that takes you guys to 0-9, and, and with a Miami win, and Miami up in the second half right now as, we, as we're recording. Um, I mean, is this all according to plan, Josh? Uh, I don't think, I mean, I don't think they're, I'm starting to question what the plan was, um, because, I mean, multiple times today, I think one thing you can take away if you're looking to judge Zach Taylor at this point is if you look at the fourth down conversions for the Bengals today, the Bengals, uh, first off, on third down, were 7 for 15. That's uh, not too bad. On Not too bad there. Uh, fourth down efficiency, they were 1 for 4. Now, I understand you have to go for it in some desperate fourth down situations in the game when you're down by that much and you're the Bengals. Um, and quite honestly, why not go for they more? They should just always you know? go yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but many of those were missed because the team was ill-prepared and your rookie quarterback was ill-prepared and there were times where it seemed that Zach Taylor didn't even hadn't made his mind up of whether he was going to go for it on fourth down or not. Personally, I think you should have that decision. Uh, there was a specific third and two situation where uh, they ended up uh, having to ditch ditch the play. I'm not sure if this was the delay of game or one of the delay of games, but yikes! Yeah, uh, ran him out there with 10 seconds left on the play clock. And it's like, how are you going to run the team out there to try and get it on fourth you, down yeah, with you got, 10 seconds on the play clock? You, you need to be thinking ahead. You should know third and two, hey, if we don't get it, we're going for it. Yeah, you right? Got, you should have that in the you, back of your you mind. You have to know at least going into your third down call. Exactly. Say, hey, it's third and five, but we have two downs to get it. And that can affect whether, you know, maybe you run a screen or you run the ball or something on third down. But when you have no idea what you're doing going into third down, then I think it, I mean, obviously it sets you up for less than ideal conditions on fourth down because then you're possibly having a punt team after run in and run out. Oh, absolutely. You're having less time on the clock and then you're having just a bunch of discombobulation and you're having a, you know, say maybe you have a third and five, you're not running a play call to get a first down and two downs. Well, I remember Jay, Jay Feely had reported on the sideline that they that Zach Taylor had not made uh, a decision on what play they were going to run for fourth down and that's why they were so late getting out there with 10 seconds to get the playoff on fourth down and it's like, how have you – it's third and two. You say to yourself on third and two, like you said, we've got two downs to get this. These are the two players we're going to run. These are the ifs in the situation. These are our plans for those ifs. Maybe he's just so confident he didn't even think they wouldn't get it. I mean, I, it's I don't think you should have a <laughs> no, lot of No, you shouldn't. I mean, it's basic math. You look at – you know, you're not running – you're not running a first and 10 play like you're running a third and 10 play well, exactly. or a fourth and 10 play. So you shouldn't be running a third and five where you're going to go for it on fourth like a third and five where you're going to punt if you don't get it. So, I mean, I, mean, I don't think anybody thought the Bengals were going to win this game, but I think coming out of a bye week, um, probably would have wanted to see a little bit more. No? I yeah, mean, it still I was, took Mixon 30 carries to get over 100 yards. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's 3.8 yards a pot. That's and, still not productive. And the defense, I mean... Not looking great whatsoever. Lamar torched them in the three quarters he played. 15 of 17, 223 yards, three touchdowns, 65 yards rushing in a touchdown. Not from like, what, 40-something yards out. So, I mean, just rolling over the Bengals. And Another you just got to question story. yourself. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's one of those things where you look at the Dolphins, they got blown out early in the year, but they've seemed to kind of turned things around and played some mm -hmm. close games and gotten into a win. The Bengals, it just looks like 
the further the season's gone on, the more that the wheels have come off the track. I mean, they lost to Seattle by one. They lost to, you know, Arizona by a field goal, kept it within, you know, possession or two against a couple of tough teams as well. You know, the only loss to the Ravens by like seven last time, and now they're starting to get blown out. I mean, do you think this is just a war of attrition on a bad team, or do you think this is just an ill-prepared team that's just, at this point, finally losing confidence in everything? I think it's an ill-prepared team, um, and I, I think, I mean, at, cer- at a certain point, like Baltimore is just a great team. I mean, we we saw the one triple option play where you yeah. literally used three Heisman Trophy winners mm-hmm. in the same play. Um, so, I mean, say what you will and give Baltimore plenty of credit. But, yeah, I mean, when you had the bye week, I mean, you'd, I'd expect a little bit more out of that. There were times out there where Ryan Finley showed things that were different from Andy Dalton. Um, he made a great run down the field uh, for about, it was about a 20-yard run for a first down. Uh, and it, he had made that decision as soon as he saw the hole. He had made that decision quicker than I think Dalton has been making those types of decisions this year. But then the very next play got a delay of game. So it was there was moments of good and bad, I think, but more moments of bad and more moments of players giving up, I think. Um, but and then yeah, the pit, pick six was costly. And I mean, that that's that's a bad man right there. Marcus Peters, his third pick six of the year. I mean. Yeah, so I guess taking a look at the rest of the season, um, you know, do have the Jets and the Dolphins on the schedule. Go to Oakland next week. I guess, what are your expectations for the team? Do you just want to see what you have in Ryan Finley? Do you want to try to get any wins? Do you want to just tank for 0-16? You know, I've heard some people that want to see what we can have, want to at least do something and set themselves up for the future, and then some people that just, hey, we want I'd like to see quarterback us, I'd like to see us beat the Jets. I think it's a. I think it's a achievable goal. I think it's a win we can afford because um, we can then, you know, lose the Miami game or something. I'd like to see at least one win. Well, yeah. Where we look like a capable team, because I just I all I always think back to the Seattle game where we did lose, um, but it was a very close game. We played very well that game, and since then have not looked like that team at all. So if we could just see that team again, maybe and maybe see it with it, some of the younger guys, then great. But I I don't know what to expect at this point. I uh, it's. I mean, you stick with Finley, right? Yeah, At this you, point, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you I mean, go back to, you can't, you can't Dalton's go back. Done. To, yeah, you yeah, can't go back man, to. Dalton. It's over. So this isn't an. I hope they don't pull an Eli Manning situation where you no. sit him yeah. and then you bring him back the next week. Like, hey, everything's okay. I, I think the one thing that you realize if you're Dalton Finley, Zach Taylor, Mike Brown, anyone, the issues go much further than. Um, than which quarterbacks out oh, there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's not a good football team, and they don't have a plan. All of that, all of that, all of these people that we're discussing right now aren't really who I'm upset with today. We'll get to it at the end of the show. But I, I, I've got – there's a more disappointing thing about the Bengals than just what's happening on the field in the front office, but we'll get to it later. Okay, well – little teaser Intrigue. For you. Speaking of maybe some of those uh, – Younger guys that could have an impact for the Bengals or some other teams the next year. We're going to do a kind of a quick college football rundown in Ohio. Uh, right. Some of the games, not exactly as good as you'd expect. No, no, it was uh, it was, it was an interesting week. Um, I, does does anyone want to give this rundown? I'll give you 15 seconds on the clock if you can get all the Ohio college football scores. All right, in. let me let me see if I can do this. 
Reggie McBucket. All right. So yeah. first off, we have Ohio State. Whoa, beating... whoa, 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 whoa! We gotta start. Start. We don't the have the clock here, ready to go. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. You ready here? I'm always ready. All right, go. We have Ohio State beating Maryland 73 to 14. Fields with four touchdowns. UC beats UConn 48 to 3. 38 nothing at halftime. 307 rush yards. Toledo beats Kent State 35-33 on oh Thursday, along with uh, Miami, Ohio, 24-21. Oh, Battle of the Bricks. Close. Tried to get some stats in there. Oh man, that was very close though. Uh, did you do? Uh, did you miss one? I, I, did I you think get you all, missed one. Yeah, I think you missed. No, you got. Did you get Kent Toledo? No, he did not get ten, Kent Toledo. Kent Toledo. Uh, unprofessional, Greg. Unprepared. No, I think it Ken Toledo. No, you what? Yeah, I got Toledo beat Kent 35-33, and then I was about to go into the Ball State score. That's what, it, yeah, okay, there you go. Uh, but Ball State's not in Ohio. Yeah. Oh, did I block he was going, out for yeah, a minute? He was going for extra credit there. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to go to review and recount it, but those are your Ohio college football scores. Uh, All right, well, sticking in Ohio college football, a uh, little bit of um, intrigue. Kind of a big thing coming out, as we alluded to earlier. Chase Young uh, <sighs> suspended by, I guess, Ohio State or the NCAA. Well, Ohio State right now. That Nothing has come down from the NCAA. So, Zach, you want to give the quick rundown on the, uh, on the Chase Young? I don't hits? know. I mean, this is once again the NCAA half-assing their job. Um, from all reports that I've seen, I don't know. The, so, last year when Ohio State went to the Rose Bowl... Chase Young, this is a story coming out of Ohio State. Haven't heard anything other than this. Um, took a loan from a family friend to fly his girlfriend out to Pasadena for the Rose Bowl. And then has subsequently paid this back. Now, Ohio State self-reported it this week to the NCAA. Um, varying stories. Originally, it was reported um, that Ohio State is expecting a four-game suspension. They obviously went ahead and retroactively, or not retroactively, but went ahead and suspended him for the uh, Maryland game. Um, now reports are here, maybe one to two games. I don't know. I think, yeah, just to give some of the, the timeline on it, you, there were some varying um, stories about how much that he took, whether it was just to fly the girlfriend out or fly you know, all the family out. Uh, who exactly gave the loan? Was it someone in the family? Was it just a family friend? Uh, some reports were that it was an NFL PA certified agent. So, um, but Ohio State really has come out and say that they don't believe it was an agent. Yeah. So certainly some some sticky situations. Um, I will say this: as much as it pains me to say it about Ohio State, I would say probably if not that big of a deal. If everything that's coming out is true, yeah. I will I will give that. I, we don't know. So uh, the but. only the only real. Um, story that we can kind of compare this to is there was a Kentucky player that got a game but then transferred for mm-hmm. taking, I think it was about $1,600. So you would probably expect a game or two. Really the only hole that I can poke in this story, and trust me, I've been trying for days to poke holes <laughs> sure in this you story, have. Uh, is that Ohio State did self-report it, and they self-reported it bef- <laughs> before a Maryland game where they were favored by 40-plus, and then a Rutgers game where they're favored by I believe 52 it is right 52. now. 52. Cool. So, I mean, fair, fair. It, it could fair. be one of those things where it's who knows when they found out about it. Maybe they found out about it right now. But if they were expecting a one to two game suspension, this would be a very good time in the schedule to take a one to two game it suspension. Is. But looking at it from the whole spot, based on what we know about, at least if we believe what we've been told is true, and it's just a family friend, he was 
paid back and everything, I would expect probably a one to two game suspension and to see him back against Penn State. I think that seems that, reasonable, that's, I, I, that's but also reasonable it's the NCAA. With quotation so marks, reasonable. I mean, I don't know. what If all this is true, where's the line? Like, I, if I'm a college athlete and my parent's friend wants to loan me money, I'm a paying back worker, I wouldn't even think anything about that, would you? He doesn't have a connection to the university. He's not an agent. I don't know where's this line at here. That's that's what that's what I, I'm I'm getting at with the NCAA is that at a certain point you just have to you can't. There, there's so many situations like that that a kid's just not going to think about. You right. Know? You know, it's just going to it's not in their mind. You know, like if someone like if someone buys you offers to buy you a meal or a drink, like yeah, that's not just that, something you think about. There was a there was a actually a story about that. Um, I think it was about a year ago on the Dan Levitard show, John Amici, who was a mm-hmm. star basketball player at Penn State, was talking about a lot of mornings he'd go into his coach's office and his coach had a coffee maker. And he'd just pour himself a, a cup of coffee. And he actually, the NCAA kind of came down upon him for that. Right. And it's one of those things where it's like, at, at what point, what is the line? And I think it's one of those things that they're probably taking a step in the right direction for kids can get paid that way. They well, won't have to worry about taking they loans. They voted on that. Like everybody they're said, there hasn't step. been. That's it's, a, I mean. it's a baby step. And I, I just want to point out, we have this situation. And there's many others, unfortunately, like this. But then you've got a the Baylor situation. I mean, Baylor self-imposed some things on themselves, but the NCAA never actually came down. They basically decided, yeah, we're not going to make a statement on the sexual assault situation they had there where it was like 50, 60 cases. Right, I mean... You, <laughs> that, you're not going to draw a line there, but a kid well, takes you, Well, you look at all bucks. the similar situations like that uh, in abuse cases like that that the NCAA has dealt with over the past five, ten years or so. And in almost... In, I'm not going to say in almost all of them, but especially in recent years, one common theme has been that the NCAA has kind of had to backtrack... And it has been found that someone from the NCA did not do their due diligence. Someone from a university did not mm-hmm. do their due diligence. But when it comes to like silly things like this, it's it's not a car. It's, yeah. it's not even the tattoo. There's such a gate. war on it's, things like this. Well, honestly, it's one of those things where if you're taking money out, of, quote unquote, out of the NCAA's pocket, even though it really isn't, if there's anything with money that they can easily prove, the NCAA is going to come down hard on you, and yeah. they have. Every single time, whether it's, you know, I mean, even with, you know, cars and stuff like that, kids have been ruled, you know, ineligible Mm -hmm. and everything. So it's just one of those things where it's kind of an unfortunate situation. I mean, Young was possibly on pace with a couple of big games against Maryland and Rutgers to be close to the single season sack record. It's, uh, I guess but. to sum it up, I think it's like Mike Greenberg said, if everything that Chase Young has said is right, and I don't have any reason to doubt that, then once again, it's another loss for the NCAA. I would agree. I would agree. Well, uh, speaking of some losses for the NCAA, uh, yeah, kind of a loss in ratings based on the slap fest that we saw Wednesday night. Uh, Oof. Season opening game between Cincinnati and Ohio State up in Columbus. Ohio State beat UC 64-56, to 56, second year in a row with the exact same score. Um, Kyle Young, the big uh, big outstanding player for Ohio State, 14 points, 13 rebounds. Jaron Cumberland, UC's uh, top player and one of the 
top people in the U.S. or in college coming into this year. Um, only 13 points, four of 13 from the field. Um, Ohio State was held scoreless for almost the first eight minutes of the game. UC only was able to get a six to nothing lead, and they were in the bonus without uh, scoring a point. Yeah, and it was 26 to 19 at halftime. UC so OSU outscored UC 45 to 30 in the second half. Things opened up a little bit at the end there, but guys, I mean, first game of the season. Obviously, kids aren't going to be comfortable. UC going into a kind of a new, um, new system over here, but uh, really not great. For, I mean, really just one of those, I guess, first game jitters. Not really a whole lot you can take out of it, but I guess in the long run, a good win for Ohio State, and not something you should freak out about if you're a Cincinnati fan. Yeah, it was an ugly game. I was just glad that it was over. Honestly, I think for many, I think both coaches were just like. Ugh. You know, it was just um, turnovers. I thought the officiating was not sharp either. Oh on my either. god, and it was pretty bad. Some there were some, some questionable calls. Oh yeah, some of the charges that got. I mean, the one Ohio—I can't remember who it was for Ohio State. I don't remember. It was Cumberland had the ball. It was completely out of position. The Ohio State player was completely out of position, and Cumberland like runs into the oh, back. Oh yeah, the of one him. where he has the back out. Yeah, yeah and around. they called a charge. I'm like, he's. I mean, I was rooting for Ohio State, but I mean, like, he's not even set. Like he ran past him. Um, yeah, there was a couple of plays where uh, Caleb Wesson was had his feet like clearly inside oh, yeah. the the no charge zone. Got called for it. A bunch of kind of ticky tack fouls either way. So it was honestly, I don't really know much more we can say on that. I mean, you yeah, know, from a high state's perspective, you point out Kyle Young. That's that's some that's that's nice to see. Um, but I mean, Wesson obviously Caleb Wesson, the big boy, eight points, eleven boards. Nothing pretty. He got uh, stuffed. He stuffed himself on a dunk in the yeah. Yeah, he seemed uh, he seemed very off, out of uh, sync. Yeah, I mean, even the I mean, offensively, what Cincinnati shot thirty three percent from the field, nineteen whew, from three. Uh, OSU forty percent, thirty one percent from three. Um, Fourteen turnovers for Cincinnati, fifteen for Ohio State. <laughs> I mean, I nope. couldn't even get my wife to let me watch the second half because, like, I can't even take it anymore. I, I will say the one thing was for Cincinnati was um, under first-year coach John Brandon running a very different mm-hmm. offensive game plan, which is really, honestly, any offensive game plan <laughs> different than uh, Mick Cronin. The ball not in Cumberland, the playmaker's hands quite as much, kind of different, a lot of different moving pieces. So... Not exactly a loss you want, especially when there were a lot of very winnable points. Uh, you know, if you'd watch that game and you're a Cincinnati fan, you expect to be up about 15 nothing early. But uh, well, it is only one loss, and thankfully they've kind of scheduled themselves to be able to, you know, get some quality wins still in the non-conference. Well, and Greg, you and I were down at UC on Saturday for the Bearcats football game, and I remember you said that, honestly, by halftime as I was watching it, I was thinking to myself, you know, as things change, they just stay the same. I mean, <laughs> yep, it yep. really was like things did change a lot. It was a different look for the Bearcats, like big time, but mm-hmm. the results very much the same. Didn't yeah. score transition points, still got rebounds, but still can score off of those rebounds. Yeah, and couldn't the shoot. Three point shooting was atrocious. Yeah, running, and I, I understand it's kind of the same as, you know, putting in a playbook, but running a lot of the same motions pretty much over and over again. And, uh, the free throw shooting was just atrocious for UC, which has kind of been their uh, uh, Cincinnati staple since as long as I can remember. So, 
Um, certainly difficult, something that both teams, even with an Ohio State win, both teams will hope to kind of bounce back from. Uh, Ohio State was able to get the win today over UMass Lowell, 76-56. to 56. Uh, Cincinnati plays their second game of the season tomorrow against Drake. Not Drizzy, the actual college Drake. So. <laughs> the Dragons, right? That's Drexel, really close. Uh, We're looking at the Bulldogs. All uh, oh, right, I'm an idiot. Let's just say they won't just be move on. <laughs> they won't be very nice for what on on Monday. But uh, moving on, Josh. Yeah, we got we- uh, we got some Ohio beer news. Thought we'd uh, bring bring our listeners some. You know, beer news. Yeah. Since we are a beer, a beer podcast, also, as we are drinking our 50 West from down here in Cincinnati today. Uh, we've got uh, some events that just got announced. They're not for uh, quite a while. The Winter Warmer Fest here in Ohio will be happening. Uh, let's see, March 7th. It's cool. uh, up at Windows on the River in downtown Cleveland. March 7th, the Winter Warmer Fest. Uh, the reason we're coming out with this so early is because tickets go on sale on Black Friday. And this Uh-oh. is an event that regularly sells out. There'll be more than 50 Ohio breweries showcasing their winter and season, seasonal limited edition March and high gravity seems beers. Late March does that, seem late. Right? We're but, jumping into spring. But no, I'm ex- Okay, cool. When, wait, wait, what is that? March 7th? That's, uh, that's March 7th from 2 to 5. Windows on the River. That's a Saturday. Um, two to five. Windows on the River in downtown Cleveland. Nice. Tickets go on sale Black Friday. OhioCraftBeer.org is where you can find those tickets. Yeah, and you look, nice. just taking a quick look through some. I mean, there's beers from all over the state. You know, there's Mad Tree from down in Cincinnati. Jackie O's from uh, Athens. Yeah. Brew Kettle. Hansa. Uh, Great Lakes. Up in we might uh, have to get ourselves Ohio. some tickets. So that certainly, like t- great certainly yeah. beers from... All over the place. Well, and if you think if you think about, um, you know, it's still going to be pretty cold. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. I can't, I know. We're it's just, always we're cold making in that March. Turn. We're in spring training. It's. I'm looking for some warmer. But I'm. Maybe we make it a boys trip. We maybe need to go up there and do a little segment. Yeah. Or something. Maybe, maybe Cleveland and beer boys. I mean. Oh yeah. Hey, we'll have to check out the cab schedule too. That's true. That's true. Yeah, we can make it a whole weekend. See, yeah, we could we could do a little Cleveland road trip right there. Do a Cleveland show. Oh, thank goodness. All right, so we got uh, we but got moving back segments. into a little bit of sports and some Ohio segments. We've already touched on the Bengals and their ineptitude, but uh, never too early to start mock draft season, boys. And um, we'll hit on the Bama LSU game in a little bit. We'll. Maybe hit on some other top 25 teams. But uh, right now, it's looking like the Bengals will be the team to pick first overall. I mean, so yeah. we all have to... our I'm just top so, three players, I think, that we want so excited. the Bengals to pick, or at least top three quarterbacks that we want them to pick. Well, there's there's the, there's the top three choices right now, I think, in quarterbacks, right? You got Tua... Um, Herbert and then Joe Burrow has really come along this year. So I'd say those would be the three obvious choices, right, for number one? I would say so. So uh, why don't we start with the the man who's all Cincinnati all the time. Josh, you're the Bengals. You're on the clock. Who are we taking? Uh, I, 
I'm going back and I've been going back and forth. And honestly, the game yesterday was very helpful um, in making this decision between Joe and Tua. Um, I think I'm going with Burrow. Yeah. Uh, uh, I I think he takes care of the ball a little better. Um, and this is an all off of uh, the sloppy fumble from yesterday's game because um, that is one of the most unfortunate fumbles that I think I've ever seen. The old Jameis Winston fumble. Yeah, running out in open space and just dropping the ball. Uh, so, yeah, I think Joe Burrow uh, would do well here in Cincinnati. Um, I think he... Has similarities to Andy Dalton, but also has some of the new age things that you're looking in a quarterback. Uh, has the wheels. He's got 67% career completion percentage, 6,092 6, yards, 49 touchdowns, and only nine interceptions. Those are his career numbers at LSU only. Um, right. But I think I'm going with Burrow for the Bengals. Zach, who are we taking? I'm obviously going to go Joe Burrow, a Southeast Ohio boy himself. Uh, yeah, I know. I agree. I think he would do great in Cincinnati. Um, got the Ohio flavor. I liked him. I remember talking spring ball a couple of years ago when it was him and Haskins. I remember going to that spring game. I wanted, I was all Joe Burrow. I was in all the way. Um, worked out, I think, for everybody involved. But um, no, yeah, I, I agree with uh, what everything Josh said. I, obviously, a small thing that people don't realize. He's actually very athletic. Oh, yeah. He was actually more seen as a dual threat guy. He can run the ball a little bit. He's got the pocket presence. Crazy accurate. Um, yeah, I think Tua, Tua, you've got questions about those. That's, that, he's had some surgeries. Yeah. that That's a worry. Um, I'm, honestly, Justin Herbert, I never had gotten it. I think he's a solid prospect. Doesn't jump off the page at me, though, honestly. I think he's another Oregon system quarterback. No, yeah, I, that's that's that would be my worry is that you're just going to get yeah another Oregon. No disrespect to Oregon, but no. you're going to get another Oregon system quarterback, just, and that's not going to oh. that's not going to fit here. No. So I, one, with this offensive line, the I one thing that I've kind of almost looked at with Herbert has has the big arm, has a lot of the things that you look for in a quarterback. Uh, watching the Bills game today, I kind of compared him to almost a Josh Allen type. He's a guy that if you have some skill around him, you give him a clean pocket. I know that's a lot to ask for, but he's a guy that. If probably he'll be drafted higher than he should, but well, yeah, uh, they were if talking. he's a guy that th- could fall to the bottom half of the second round, go to kind of a ready-made team like uh, Carolina or something like that, would be probably a great fit there. But uh, not to be the guy to be different, but uh, some of this goes into the fact that I am a lefty. But uh, I'm going to take Tua. Tua is. A proven winner. He has taken Alabama to the Don't, no, 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 no. Don't do a, the winner thing. All but, right, no, no, no. All right. Let's, can I, see, here's the problem. I'm trying to talk. I say something against Southeast Ohio, God's country, and God's I get jumped country. off. So, Tua did not have a great game yesterday. Also coming back from surgery. So, c- take it with a grain of salt. His career 85 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, only three interceptions this year. Second in the nation in QBR and just looks so fantastic throwing the ball with that left hand. Worrisome about Cincinnati, 99% because Bobby Hart is the right tackle there, and I don't trust him to block yeah. uh, someone's grandmother. But and that's the- I think he's the one guy that if Cincinnati doesn't get one, one overall— it's going to be a guy that they regret not taking. 
Really? And that's the thing is that he has had the injuries. He has had the surgeries. And how many hits is he going to be able to right. take behind Bobby Hart? Here's that, that, I agree. That's the point, Greg, that you're missing here. Um, he's a guy with mileage already showing. And you're going to spend $40, 50000000 Well, mm. and here's the other question with Herbert. I don't know. Or with, and or, when you know that line's still got a few years away before yeah. it's solid. I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But I think – Sorry, Joe Burrow's ahead. also shown that he's one of those guys looking from last year to this year. Could he be a system quarterback? Was not as impressive last year. Was not on anybody's draft boards coming into the year. But so Fair. far with the new LSU offensive system, it's very easy for you to poke holes in my system. But then when I try to throw out, hey, this is a very different Joe Burrow. Where were you on Joe on the Joe Burrow train last year? Hey, I, Where I, were you when, when LSU was going, what, 7-5, If you had asked four? me last year. Where were you when Joe Burrow threw th- three picks, had no interceptions, and Alabama no shut out LSU? No interceptions. Or, sorry, three picks, no touchdowns, and Alabama shut hey, out hey, LSU. Hey. 29 to nothing. Where was Joe Burrow on your draft board You then? know how inept LSU's offense has been? Like, my God. Any, they literally just hired somebody who just has an idea of how a modern football offense runs is basically what they did. No, I get what you're saying. That is a concern. I think he's going to be great. Honestly, I think he's been graded like Haskins was graded a one-year, technically a two-year starter, but I think he's really going to be great as a one-year starter. That's fair for any quarterback, but how can you not say that two is not a system quarterback? Uh, yeah. He's had different offensive coordinators both years. So has Joe. Yeah, and Tua has been great both years, and Joe was okay last year. And to to your point, I, I was wanting Joe Burrow to come to Cincinnati when he was making that decision, but I didn't think that was going to happen. Yeah, but we could have him back in Cincinnati for the Bengals. Greg, I I guess my I agree with what you're saying. My biggest issue with anybody coming out, you're going to spend that kind of money, is I worry about the athleticism and the injuries of Tua already. And that's fair. I, I I certainly see the fact that he could struggle in Cincinnati and maybe Burrow, being an Ohio guy, is more built for it. But at times, you got to take the best player available. Oh, I agree. And I, I, it's one of those things where you can say, hey, maybe Burrow might be the best guy. And then if two will go, you know, if someone goes out and lights it up, then... I think this is going to be very much not saying that both players' trajectories are. I hope not go this way for but for their sake. But I think this could be very much a Peyton Ryan Leaf situation where most people going in are figuring that's a toss up. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it, it really is. I, I don't want to come off as like that. I don't like want Tua. Like yeah. if we ended up with Tua, that's fine. I'm just thinking of those if situations. Mm-hmm. And I feel more comfortable with Burrow in those if situations than I do with Tua. But, but if we get Tua, I'm not going to be upset. Right. But Greg brings up good points, I guess. Yes, yes. We'll, we'll throw a little. Wow, he that's... Needs, he, can't, he needs that constant that's validation. The, that's probably the nicest thing you've ever said <laughs> to me. I wish I had some cheery music to play for him. <laughs> Mr. Grumpy Gills over there. We'll get to the Greg's grumbles well, all our takes later, though. Speaking of something else that's sort of cheered me up, with sports being back... On the Northeast Shore, looking back uh, a couple weeks ago, we brought this up. Today, November 10th, is the ninth game for the Bengals, the Browns, and the Cavaliers. Uh, So far, Bengals have finished off 0-9 in that stretch. Browns are 3-6. Cavs, after a 1-2 week and a win on Friday against the Wizards, are now 3-5, with their ninth game being uh, 
7.30 tonight, so we'll be done by the time most of you listen to this. Uh, they play the Knicks tonight so in the Mecca. Had, so who had what, if I remember right? Josh picked the Bengals, you know, because he, he can't do math, if I remember right. But, you know, the Bengals are out. Uh, you took the Brownies. Yeah, I took the Brownies. Now, me and Josh took the Cavs. Josh can do a little bit of math. We took Cavs. Yeah, I believe we were kind of saying that the Cavs would probably be about four and five at this point, which if they get a win over the lowly Knicks, they'll, they'll be, be right at. there. Yeah. Uh, I, I I think, well, I mean, the Knicks, you said, I think, Greg, you said earlier, Knicks are a two point. Favorite. Yeah. But they're also at home. Uh, at so. home. So that's just really a toss up. They're just two bad teams. <sighs> Stick. I mean, I think the Cavs got it, right? I, I hope they're listening. Tristan Thompson, so. if you're it's listening, just get us a W tonight. It's the Knicks. I think they can do it. I mean, who's even on the Knicks? Uh, the Knicks are led by some of the greats. They got uh, <laughs> Julius Randle that they signed oh. in free agency, and then some rookies. Uh, well, no, Kevin Knox is the second year. R.J. Barrett, the rookie out of Duke. Oh, that's um, right. They got Barrett. I yeah. believe they have one of the Morrises. Uh, Knicks come in at 2-7 and seven with wins over. They actually beat the Mavericks their last time out, and then also have a win at some point this year. Who knows when? Oh, in their first game of the year against the, uh, I believe, the Wizards. So two and seven, um, not great, but three and five, two and seven. Right now, um, matchup predictor three SPN gives the Knicks a 57% chance to win. But uh, if you've seen the the way the Cavs have played this year, a lot more of a fun team to play. Uh, Thompson's been lining it up. Uh, Kevin Love has been uh, awesome on the boards, averaging 18 and 14 for the Cavs. So certainly some guys that that can get things done. Kevin Love actually leads the Cavs in all three big statistical categories. So I'm just going to take a shot in the dark here, say the Cavs win uh, 105-98, and uh, unfortunately Zach comes out as the winner. Well, and Joshy. Yeah, I, I think, I don't know, I'm pretty confident. It's it is it's the Knicks, so I, I think I think we should be okay. I'm, I'm, the Knicks will I'm lose confident. a lot of games themselves. Um, yeah, but I, I mean, hell, I was just looking. You know, I'm thinking. I mean, if you're beeline and stuff, four and five start to the year. I mean, I know the schedule hasn't been murderers row, but with a young team, four and five. I mean, a team that you're obviously thinking is not going to make the playoffs, but won what 19 games last yeah, year. Yeah, they won. They won 19 um, games last year. I thought the exciting. one. Uh, I thought the one. Uh, interesting thing that I heard. So the Cavs had an ESPN game on Friday, and the one thing that Beeline was talking about, and he said, the one thing that's very interesting is uh, I'm coaching close to a handful of kids on this Cavs team that are actually younger than some of the kids <laughs> I coached last year at Michigan because he's just got you know so many, uh, you know he's got three rookies, couple mm-hmm. of couple of second year players, so a lot of youth on this team, and just something you want to see grow. Um, not spend too much time on this, but Garland has been, you know, he was their first round. He was their top first round pick. Has struggled a little bit, but, you know, really hasn't played in two years after missing a lot of games at Vanderbilt with injuries. So if he starts to come around, Sexton's been playing well. And then the front court of Love and Thompson have been dynamite. So, I mean, they could be a team that could at least be fun to win. I don't, right. I don't see him, you know, I don't see him like being a playoff team, but Great. maybe a team that wins 25 to 30 games, which would be, much better than last year well, where they yeah. were where it was just a slog all year and could possibly you know at the trade deadline you know get rid of some of these players that are in contract years like a Thompson to mm-hmm. some playoff contenders and possibly 
get some picks that'll be in the future. This is a good hire by Altman, though. John Beeline's like, I don't know. He just, when I heard the hire, usually you're a little worried about college coach, but I was like, I don't know. I think John Beeline, I mean, he's a guy I'm familiar with, you know, obviously he's at Michigan for many years, so um, it just seems like a good hire for what they're trying to do. Yeah, he, he's one of those guys that they mentioned has had numerous guys drafted and then mm-hmm. only got, I think, two top 25 players in the nation, like, recruiting-wise. So there's certainly a guy that can breed talent, build up talent. Uh, the offensive system has been much better. The defense has been way better. They were one of those teams that were, you know, 29th in defense last year, 29th, 30th in defense last year. So have been better than that and, you know, have had a, have had most of their games either be wins or games that they're at least in, which is exciting. You hate to, you know, you understand it's a rebuild, but gosh. You hate to, I mean, like with the Bengals, you hate to see a team go out and lose by 30 and yeah. turn off the game by halftime just knowing that it's over. You want to see them try. You want to see them be in it uh, at energy, least sometimes. Energy. energy, exactly. Yes. That's a very good point. And if they don't have the energy, then it's going to make you want to drink a little bit. As we go back to our beer of the week, yeah, 50 I, West Coast to Coast IPA from Cincinnati, Ohio. Zach, I don't like to compliment you on a lot, but this is a – this is a crisp, hoppy IPA. I, I know my IPAs, gentlemen. You know it was my week to buy beer again. I'm always going to probably bring an IPA or a pale ale. So, I, I'm I'm going to mix it up next week. Uh, I, I, is it my choice? It is your uh, choice. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to really mix it up next Swear week. Swear to God, but if you I bring a say, porter, I'll probably punch you in the face. Oh, man. Uh, you can pick whatever you want. I'll drink it. it has I'm going to bring imperial in stouts. We'll <laughs> see. Yeah, we'll see. But, yeah, this is a very fantastic beverage. Also, here. for any of you guys – that have maybe a special beer that you love to drink, maybe enjoy a beer or two while listening to the podcast, feel free to tweet at us, uh, 30 Rack Podcast. Leave a five-star review and leave a beer. That would make us much more interested to figure out what you guys have to say with a little five-star review and a subscription on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, any of those places we're on. If you see that subscribe button or that like button, yeah, you go ahead and hit that. Leave me a wow emoji or something like that. (laughs) Wow. Uh, We're on Facebook and Twitter at 30 Rack Podcast. Um, Yeah, come come like us, uh, follow us. Tell your friends, tell tell your your grandmother, tell that guy at the bus stop, tell that guy in the cubicle that – is going to overload you with work because he doesn't know what he's doing. Tell them all. Just say, hey, so tell the, at least do something for me this week and listen to 30 Rack Podcast. Tell tell the bartender at your local uh, craft brewery that you go to and have a drink on Monday nights for Monday Night Football or what have you to listen to 30 Rack of Sports. Please because, listen is what we're at. Even put it on yeah. for your dog. I don't care. Yeah, put it on for your dog in the background. Uh, like we, we just had that account follow us today at Doggo's Bork Bork. Like, shout out to Doggo's Bork Bork. I love your corgi. He's adorable. We love dogs here. So we're, we're a dog-friendly show. You know what else we love beside of dogs? Uh, hints of fruit and dank. The east meets west. Almost. We love that thing that happens after you play that music hit, Josh. Uh, I'm going to give Zach a minute because we are watching the Packers game right now, and I think he's... They got a field goal. It's 24-10. Hey, All right, I'm feeling better. We got we always have red zone on in the background when we're when we're recording during that time. Yeah, we, so. we do record Sunday afternoon, so please like live tweet us. We'll we'll throw you in, give oh, you yeah. a shout out there. We'll we'll make it worth your while and we will get through the NFL Sundays together. But as Greg mentioned One disgusting loss at a time. It is time 
Oh, time for a little bit of national news as we pop open our second beer. Uh, first off in national news, as we kind of alluded to, big game in college football this weekend. Was it? LSU beats Alabama, number two and number three in the college football poll, 46 to 41. Joe Burrow, 31 of 39, 393 yards passing, three touchdowns. To a 21 of 40, 418 yards, four touchdowns, and a pick. LSU beats Bama for the first time in years and solidifies themselves currently as the last unbeaten and Wait, by what? that metric, last unbeaten and by that metric, the best team in the SEC. Oh, okay, sorry. I should have let you finish, you but finish? you just rattle on so long. Sorry, I had to burp. That was your breaking news right there. <clears throat> Continue. <laughs> So I guess under this, um, one of the big stories, obviously, is LSU getting uh, the first win over Bama in years. But I think kind of a secondary news story is Bama has the loss no longer in the driver's seat for uh, the SEC West. College football playoff rankings come out on Tuesday. Zach, is Bama a top four team in the nation? Um. Mm, yes, uh, they'll they'll stay in the top four. I think. Um, I mean, with Penn, St- we can talk about that maybe a little later. The Penn State loss obviously knocks them out of the top four. Um, yeah, I think Bama falls to four. I think you probably see Clemson jump to three, and then uh, LSU one, Ohio State two. I mean, that's what the AP poll had it as today. Yeah, I think so. that'll probably be pretty similar. Uh, I mean, you know, obviously Bama didn't look great early but you know they rallied 46 41 it was a barn burner like we thought it would be um the one thing i will say is this is since 2007 which is the beginning of the nick saban era this is the most points allowed by an alabama team in the nick saban era so wow slashing and dashing through that alabama offense hanging 46 on them uh you know, Bama had a had a big comeback after being here's, down by two to three scores. Here's the big question enough. we've all had about both these teams, at least for me, both these teams, defense. And for an SEC game especially, I think that this is new, right? It's kind of like a Big 12 shootout. Um, that's been my only point to why I've always said, you know, you got to give it to LSU number one this week. The, the resume is beautiful. Can't no one can match it. Um, but that's why all the high state haters, I'm like, ha ha ha, high state's number one, two defense in the country. I mean, that's something we haven't seen. I mean, LSU struggled at, on defense, Bama has. Um, I don't know, that's it's kind of yeah, it was a fun game, yeah. Right? Taking, I mean, a, a, fun taking game a look at, at LSU just in the past, I mean, um, gave up 38 to Texas, 38 to Vanderbilt, you know. Right, uh, twenty-eight to a Florida team that you know, and probably can't score almost thirty-five to, to a alive. team that can't really score. So have given up a lot of points, have been able to overcome it. Um, last three games for LSU of this season are uh, at Ole Miss, who has not looked great this year. Home against Arkansas, who just fired their coach and looked terrible, <laughs> and then a, a game against. Uh, all right, Texas A&M team to, to close out the season. So they're certainly in uh, they're in the driver's great seat. shape to face likely Georgia in the SEC right. championship. Well, I'll ask you guys real quick. You two. Um, can LSU lose a game and still get in? 
as of right now, how you feel? Yes. Just, just, just gut feeling. Yes. Um, I think if you would have asked me this about two minutes ago before I read the rest of the schedule, I would have said yes. But I think if it's in the SEC championship, I could see it. But if they drop to pretty much any of these teams, I think it might just be. You really think that's a killer? That's true. I I will say. Well, the one thing that the committee has always has kind of shown is bad loss, but a bad loss late. Because it's one right. of those things, if you lose early, you can climb oh, back up having good wins. I, yeah. I'm well aware. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's, he's <laughs> well aware of that. Yeah, you're well aware, Mr. Virginia Tech. But uh, oh, yeah. it's just, I mean, it's its one of those things that, you know, uh, a bad loss late can, can derail you. And it's, I guess it's one of those things that, you know, if Ohio State finishes a season undefeated, them or maybe a Minnesota team, which we'll get to in a second, if you maybe get... I don't know, Baylor or a one-loss Oregon, Clemson goes undefeated. At what point do you start knocking those champions with one loss for a Bama or a Georgia team that has a loss? Right. I mean, I, I get what you're saying. So we're, we're thinking in the realm of a high state goes undefeated, Clemson goes undefeated, there's two in, obviously. Yeah. And then you're probably thinking maybe an Oklahoma wins out, runs the table, or... Yeah, you think maybe an, maybe an Oregon who's only lost or his Oregon. neutral site. Yeah. And so. then you're thinking, okay, who gets that final spot? Because that, that's a good point. Because, I mean, I guess I'm thinking if they well, lose one of these three games, yeah, cause, well, cause my they thought, get in because they still win the SEC. If they lose in the SEC championship yeah. to a, a one-loss Georgia, I that'll think, be interesting, honestly. That's a yeah, crazy Yeah, that's scenario. the thought. Because I think if whoever wins the SEC – probably has a bid in so yes, then you'd have three absolutely. and oh, then yeah. you'd have to do no doubt a one loss alabama a one loss lsu lsu would probably get the head-to-head there and then you'd have a one loss lsu against possibly a one loss oregon that they did play similar you know they did play both play auburn and have different but then also oregon has the you know would have the conference championship so i think it would give you a very good idea of what exactly the committee finds most right because per what i've been under what i'm supposed to understand is right they're supposed to value that championship more and that's what i've thought but you know they it, i mean they've gone yeah. against that yeah <laughs> before um ohio state was the benefit of that and some other teams have yeah so that's an yeah i mean you look at, at georgia and stuff like that but to uh i guess get to what we've also been talking about just some some high level college football scores from around the nation uh Undefeated Minnesota beats Penn State 31 to 24 and then undefeated Baylor outlasts TCU 29-23 in three overtime in a that pretty terrible is game. Trash. That it was nine to nine at the end of regulation. Baylor, I will say, has as good of a Big 12 defense as I've seen in years, but that's also a let's Big 12 do this. Defense. Let's relegate the Big 12 out of the Power Five. Let's go ahead and move the AAC in. Oh, we'll, we'll right? buddy, buddy, I mean, buddy, hang on. We'll we'll get to that. We'll oh, get to that. sorry, we'll sorry. I'm that. jumping ship. Never mind. Um, yeah, the but Gophers. I guess here's a question: with what? teams like Bama and Penn State losing, and some of these undefeateds winning and Obviously, TCU isn't a huge win, but TCU is another win, and Minnesota coming from 17, getting a big win. How high do you think these teams will get in the college football playoff? I mean, Minnesota, top 10 in AP now. They've got to be a top 10 college football team, I think they have to be a top 10 team because you beat what you said was your number four team 
in the country. And I, I mean, I think I think why Minnesota was still on the college football play, and I didn't disagree with that, was what have you really shown us? Yeah, you're undefeated. The same thing, the same thing they're telling Baylor. But who have you played? Yeah. You're saying, I didn't agree with it. I don't think Penn State has ever looked like the number four team in the country, but that's who the committee said. I think they're obviously a top. I think they're a top six. Like they have to. I mean, that's a big jump, I think, week to week, and that's probably not going to happen. They'll probably slide in at nine or ten. Yeah, that would be my um, guess. But, I mean, I think, you know, that's a, that's a big win for them. Um, happy for P.J. Fleck. It's good for the Big Ten. It is. It's good. Yeah, Get it's some great, SEC – or not SEC West. Jesus. Big Ten West finally – Getting a big win. Uh, the East has just kind of rolled over that side of the conference. So that, that's a big win. Um, James Franklin, I'll get to later, but, you know. So just to does. give you a, a quick rundown of some of uh, Maryland or Minnesota's resume, their first three games uh, against FCS, South Dakota State, at Fresno State, and then home against Georgia Southern, they won those three games by a combined 13 points, and it took them double overtime to beat Fresno State. Their best win – before this week was, I mean, you have to probably, think about it. <laughs> probably a 34-7 win over Nebraska. Like, I, they beat Purdue uh. by seven. So, uh, you know, certainly still have some some big some games. Some to do. Yeah. Uh, still play Iowa. Still play, I mean, Northwestern should be kind of a rollover game. It's but like still play Wisconsin. Iowa, Northwestern, and then Wisconsin. And then, Paul obviously, potentially um, what's looking to be a game against Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship. So I think they're a team that can get enough quality wins to get in if they went out, but right. that's certainly a big Oh, yeah, if they went out. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what, uh, that's at least three more ranked wins. Yeah, 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 they get that's in. That's three more ranked wins and probably one for a championship over, over a, a high number one, one or number two. two. Right, yeah. right. Oh, yeah, they. <laughs> I don't see that happening. But, yeah, um, no, yeah, they would definitely get in in that case. Uh, then to look at Baylor for the rest of the season, they are nine and zero so far. They they do play Oklahoma at home next week, then Texas at home, then go to Kansas. And the way the Big Twelve works, since there's only ten teams in the Big Twelve, of course, could have uh, twelve is but. they would have to face the second highest ranked team again, which is looking to possibly be maybe an Oklahoma team or something again. So it could have to beat Oklahoma twice. Here's a question. No, Baylor shot. beats Oklahoma twice. Baylor no wins shot. out. No, are shot. they even in the top? No, no, no shot. Thirteen and zero. No shot. No. Here's like you pointed out. So they have to beat Oklahoma, and then beat Oklahoma State. again. Oklahoma State, Kansas, and then Oklahoma again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But that's my point. Like you're really only getting one because I mean Texas isn't ranked anymore. Um. So, I mean, you're really only getting one quality win twice. It's the same team. Ah, no, I don't think any shot. I mean, I, sh- I shouldn't say that. If yeah, that's not a no shot. A shot. But I, I, I would put it less than 10%. Yeah, it's, it certainly depends on... Um, I think everybody in the country would be okay with two SEC teams in there. Or even, hell, two Big Ten teams. I, mean, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Then, a, then a, I mean... If, if Baylor wins, that was what I'm saying. Oklahoma, yeah. sure, maybe if if they take if they if they play up to the way they should play. So I'm still questionable on them if they're really a good team. I don't know. So uh, just a, a fun little tweet, especially one that that might get the the blood going of some uh, people in Ohio. Uh, Brett McMurphy 
tweeted uh, Jeez, that why guy. Are why are we bringing? Hold on. Uh, we're bringing. This helps you out. This is just him reporting the college football title odds via Bet Online AG. Right now, the favorite Ohio State, a two to one. LSU, two and a half to one. Clemson, three to one. You see Minnesota, fifty to one. Penn State, one hundred and one. And at the bottom, at five hundred to one to win the college football playoff, ladies and gentlemen. Your Cincinnati Bearcats. Ooh, I'll play some bets now. So put it all on red, boys. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but um, yeah, no, Baylor's got. I, I don't think they have a shot at no, all. Absolutely not. Realistically. So probably even a a further ask than to have Minnesota or Baylor move all the way up into the top four would be to move an NFL team. <laughs> from the West Coast all the way to London. There have been reports early in this week that said Chargers considering move to London. It's been reported by ESPN, Yahoo Sports, tons of different places that because of how poorly things have gone so far in L.A., they were they considering... They shouldn't have moved. I mean, the, the L.A.-Oakland game was hilarious because you had this fan base in L.A. that loves, loves the, Raiders. the Raiders. They should have let them move. The L.A. NFL fucked that whole thing up. And then you have the the couple Chargers fans, <laughs> and that, that, whole, that whole situation is just a mess. Oh, yeah. But uh, thankfully, uh, Chargers owner and genius... To think of this idea to have a move to L.A., Dean Spanos uh, strongly denied any interest from his team, saying, it's total fucking bullshit. We're not going to London. We're not going anywhere. We're playing in, uh, in Los Angeles. This is our home, and this is where we are planning to be for a long fucking time. He's just going to shove after they the Chargers down those poor people's throats, and they don't want it. Yeah, what's strange, what's strange is how badly he doubled down on it, because that is his actual quote <laughs> he from He should that. be moving and, back. And he's not, he's not one of those owners that like spends time around the team too much, but he actually called a meeting and went called the team together and went and spoke to the team. Yeah, had that. Very had, rare them for him. Them and the GM spoke to the team. Very yeah. rare for them to do that that and assured them that they would not be moving to london well yeah you have to show that that that's number one right there why 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 would you do that if for any no player is going to want to go there greg and i think you brought up some good points about taxes and so, things. you got some numbers on that yeah so one of the things is um on golik and wingo earlier this week they brought up a stat from a a journal that basically broke down the financial implications of what it would take to move a team for a player to play in London. So they took uh, former number one overall picks, uh, Jared Goff's $28.4 million contract into question. And basically they said, you know, going through the NFL where he is, you get taxed about $12 million or so. Then if you were to go to London based on their tax laws and based on the bracket that he was, he'd be in, they'd tax him another $12 million off of that. So he'd make basically between four and a half and five million dollars off a almost twenty-five million or off a twenty-eight million dollar contract. Then, so bad for him, but then also bad for a you know just a average player. The average player makes about six hundred thousand dollars, six hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, and after taxes, that would be about uh, one hundred fifty thousand dollars, which would be a big loss. Yeah. So some of it would have to do with based on the amount of time that a team 
would likely spend in London if they were, you know, to call it home and play there, they would be subject to those tax laws. So for the NFL to do this, they would probably need to do one of three things. One, they would need to have a uh, revision to British parliamentary law, which (laughs) would be quite a deal. Uh, Two, have a cost of living update. So basically, you know, based on how much you're going to be taxed, they can give you some more money. Which would probably double the payroll oh, of yeah. the team, and so basically they get they get their own cap. Basically, the third one would be likely they would have to limit their amount of days, and I don't know the exact number of days, but limit the amount of days that they're in England or the UK. So basically, most likely have a home base in the US, maybe play a game or two there. If you could imagine, say the Jaguars would have to probably practice all the time in Jacksonville, maybe play a game or two in in Jacksonville, fly out to London just for the games, then have to fly back. I mean, here's like, yeah, like you pointed out, I mean, even take the tax part out, but it's a logistical nightmare. Um, I saw one story when this was, this was talking about last summer, not specific to a team, just like, hey, you know, they might talk about moving a team to the uh, London I mean, you, like they point out, you would basically have to have a facility, a full facility, you know, full practice facility, offices, probably even a full dormitory type situation for In the this middle team. of the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> Not quite. On the East Coast, while you still have all of that also in London, because when you get those back-to-back road weeks, basically they would fly there, stay there for two weeks flat. I mean, these... And that's what you see sometimes before those London games. You'll see like the West Coast teams will practice for the weekend, you know, Cincinnati or or New York or something and then fly out after It would be awful. Good luck. Like if you're a top end player, take even if they fix the tax issue. Do you want to? You're flying all the goddamn time. That's the other thing. The amount of hours you're going to rack up on a plane just traveling alone. I mean, how do you expect that team to be a competitor? And then you – the one thing that, that I also brought up before before the show did, Zach, is if you think about it, yes, they could play some games. There are only eight road games, so maybe figure it out, maybe stack them kind of in a row. But you think about it like this, you know, they try to kind of even out things for West Coast teams, try to give some teams a chance to, you know, get up to London times. Usually people have a bye week after their game in London. Imagine being a London team. And you get the third, you know, the three seed in the playoffs. You play in London for the first week for Wild Card Weekend. Then you have to go to the West Coast. You know, you play, um, you know, a Los Angeles team or, you know, Seattle or something like that. You beat them. There's another upset. And then you have to fly all the way back to London for the next game. So you're playing three weeks, nine hours difference every week. Your body's screwed. I don't know how you expect to win those games and how you would right. expect players to want to do something like that to say, hey, winning a championship is, in football is already unbelievably difficult. Let's make it five times harder. <laughs> and this is why I think that a, a team in Mexico would be much more oh, feasible. Yeah. Uh, and I think you have a better fan base for it too. Not that I don't, I'm not discrediting the fan base that, that we have in the UK now. I think the NFL has done mm-hmm. a great job of growing that over there. Uh, the Bengals, uh, particularly, have a huge following in in yeah. Britain. So, as much as I'd like to see it over there, I think it's just much more feasible and just way way easier and in like Mexico much more of a slam dunk. To, yeah, oh, yeah, somewhere in Mexico. Yeah, I think yeah. the one, the two things that I've heard 
that I guess maybe make the most is may have a international division, have some more teams over in Europe. Uh, I'm, I'm but, open I mean, to that'd that. be cool I'm as hell. That. But that but, would be difficult I mean, that would, as well. I mean, you could do Berlin, Frankfurt. You know, they have, like, where the World Football League. That's cool. That's cool. But I, it's not feasible. Yeah. My, my only thought would be, honestly, is if something like the XFL works out and you can get those lower leagues to go out again, maybe try to do NFL Europe again. But that didn't work out right. the first time. If there's more... Hope in the U.S. or if there's think, more hope in the in Europe as a whole. Maybe bring that I think back, the but UK, I don't think in the UK does well. And like Josh, there is a big fan base there, but that's because there are a lot of expats there. I mean, where if you're an American, you move out of this country, you move to England. Everybody speaks English. I mean, I'm just saying, like, there's a lot. Uh, I think logistically, it would be a fucking nightmare. I mean, imagine, imagine being those equipment guys. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Oh. Imagine being anyone that has to work with them. You know, I mean, it would just be that's even worse than the players. I just, I don't. It's a cool idea. I just, that's not. I don't, I don't know what you guys say. I give it, I give it literally zero percent chance. No way. I would give it a probably a zero percent chance today. Maybe in the next twenty years, a five percent chance. Not because of anything with london maybe they could get a tax thing but as far as technology, technology yeah, if you maybe. can get if you can get a flight down to a reasonable amount of time maybe yeah. but maybe. yeah i would still probably put it in the next 20 years i would put maybe a five percent chance yeah i mean we're talking about the league that is still using a stick and chain yeah to, to measure <laughs> to measure yardage so i mean and we're gonna expect them to figure out this international uh, division the scheduling I, of that would yeah. just be in uh, yeah well that's a pretty difficult decision, and uh, I think we have another pretty difficult decision that uh, we're going to send around the table, and we'd be happy to hear from you guys on uh, tagging 30 Rack Podcast on Twitter. We have a quick, would you rather? <laughs> so uh, there have been roughly half the NFL teams that have started a backup quarterback because of, well, mostly because of injury, a few because of, you know, seeing the starters, such as the Bengals. But we picked four. And imagine with their injuries, they are couch-ridden. You're stuck in a house for a weekend, a week with them. I'd say two weeks. Two you weeks. Take care of them for two weeks. They can't leave Ooh. the couch. You have to take them to the bathroom, wait on them hand and foot. Who would you want to take care of? So we have first off, we have uh, Sam Darnold, who had the highly publicized mononucleosis. So uh, Zach, no kissing at that point. Oh, uh, man. Sorry, You would buddy. have Damn. Flacco with a bulging disc in his neck, so probably have to move around some things for him. Pat Mahomes with a dislocated knee. You get all the fun uh, voice upgrades because of that. And then you, of course, have uh, Big Ben with uh, elbow surgery missing the rest of the year. So, uh, Zach, we're going to go to you. Who do you want to spend two weeks with? Who do I want to spend? Jesus. Um... Big Ben, uh, no. Seems like, uh, does he not just seem like he would be like the worst I person would to ever wait on? Um, you better not be wearing a skirt around here is all I'm saying. Uh, he would probably, uh, it'd, pr- it'd probably take him the first week to like figure out your name. Oh, but yeah. I mean, if you're a big Looney Tunes guy, I'm sure you could watch that for a whole week. <laughs> Well, and he's probably, and it's just his elbow too, but he's probably one of those guys that like needs like a walker. And it's like, he's like has a limp and it's like I thought it was your arm and he's like whoa he goes to the bathroom I fell in I need help no um I would go with Flacco 
here's why. I think it'd be the easiest job in the world because he's like a fucking robot. And I imagine he doesn't need a whole lot. It's like, he probably just drinks water and eats like saltines. No? Like, am I the only one who just sees the most boring person on no, the face Yeah, I would agree with that. I think you would I just think- be chilling in his living room. And he'd be like, just bring me a pitcher of water and a box of saltines. I'm good for the day. And I'll just, you know, maybe take him to the bathroom a couple of times. Mahomes? I think Mahomes. Flacco. I think that oh, Flacco. I, oh, oh, Mahomes really? would be cool. I feel like you could chill with him. See, I, I think Mahomes would be the coolest guy. And I think you'd have a good time. It's just, I'm curious if he was the only voice you had to hear for two weeks. If you'd want to like. Yeah. yeah. That's I imagine true. that's what my wife feels like about my voice. So. That, that, that's how we all feel about yeah. your voice. Well, I, and the thing with like Darnold, I feel like he'd kind of like, he's got mono. So like, yeah, I'd be worried be about that. I'd be worried about getting sick. <laughs> and he probably what are you looks, worried about leaning in? He probably looks like a ghost, like a pasty ghost. No, child. you'd probably go to like the bathroom and he'd start drinking your water. I mean, when they noticing. said he was healthy and I saw him, I was like, oh. He's still, he's well, and Flacco just has that kind of resting bitch face. And then if he's got that neck problem, he's probably doing those like neck turns. <laughs> like, you know, you're turning your neck into your shoulders and everything. And I wouldn't want to look at that all day. Yeah, I'm probably, I'm probably taking the homes just because though the voice, I think he'd be the funnest guy to hang out with. I don't think he'd be that. Well, yeah, he's like the closest Dar- one. To, well, Darnold. Darnold's Darnold, like a 45-year-old man. Darnold, I'd be terrified like. that he'd like accidentally take a sip out of my drink and I'd get mono. Uh, Flacco. I think yeah, I think Flacco easy, would just, would I think just he'd be chilling in his mansion for two weeks. The only like. thing I would ask him is every time I would get him something, I'd be like, hey, was that water elite, Joe? The uh, salty is elite, man. Oh, no, moving on. Jeez. Oh, man. But uh, <laughs> certainly an interesting thought. Tweet us which quarterback you'd most want to take care of at 30 Rack Podcast on Twitter, 30 Rack of Sports. Leave a five-star review. That, or, uh, Josh, I believe you get to take the lead for the next segment, uh, talking a little bit about some college football conferences. Yeah, as, as I teased a little last week, we're going to talk about, uh, and Zach mentioned earlier in the show uh, that we teased a little bit, we talk about uh, where the conferences are right now because I feel like – I feel like we're nearing a point where we there's going to have to be some realignment. Yeah. Or a re-landscaping of the college athletics. Well, yeah. You know, and we've been talking about this a lot for the past two weeks when we are looking at the college football playoff rankings. And as you were saying with the Big 12 um, and the ACC, the lack of competition there, A-A-C. So I put, yes, ACC. AAC. And this, yes, you were saying the AAC should be yeah. a Power 5 conference. But you were saying ACC. Yeah, uh, well, I was looking at the oh, the, oh, oh, you were the looking- bottom of the Power 5 yeah, conferences, the ACC oh, and the yeah, Big 12. Yeah. So, call it the American. I place. thought, okay, the American. We'll call no, it the American. That, that'll make for, it simple. Yeah. So we look at the American. They have four ranked teams right now, four one-loss one teams. Uh, they have five teams receiving votes in the polls, three and one in major bowl games since 2013. And as of two weeks ago, they were uh, 26 and one versus other group of five schools this year. Now, probably UConn. <laughs> six yeah. and 12 against Power Five schools. So some of those being you see at Ohio State. Uh, Houston at Oklahoma, Tulane at Auburn. Um, so, you, you know, 
you're going to have those kind of matchups where I think where the A8, the American is unmatched. But yeah, if, and where they're not going to get the benefit of a home and home that some power five. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're not exactly. going to get that. Um, but if we're looking at like who's the more entertaining conference right now, I mean, I think you have to look at the American as a much more entertaining conference than the ACC. Besides UConn. Besides UConn, well, yes. you're leaving. So or the we're not Big even Twelve, yeah, we're not even going to include UConn in this. Um, but if you look at the ACC, they only have two teams um, really worth mentioning: Clemson and Wake Forest. Uh, the Pac-12, uh, they only have two ranked teams, uh, and then you get to the SEC and the Big Ten. Big Ten has six teams with less than two losses. Uh, they have nine and zero undefeated: Minnesota and Ohio State, eight and one. Penn State, the league game average score margin is 24.7, though. Damn. So 24.7. Zach, you're the big Big Ten guy here. Do you feel like you're getting all of you can all that you can entertainment-wise out of the Big Ten? Oh God, no. Um <laughs> I mean, I know why Rutgers is there, but why? Uh that I mean. They was a TV. It was a New York TV market. Um, no, that they're trash. Um, Maryland's only good for basketball. Um, trash. Um, no, I mean obviously not. The West is weak. I mean Minnesota's playing well this year, and you got Wisconsin. Um, but outside of that, you know the West. I mean Iowa's always solid. You know what you're getting out of Iowa. They're a top twenty team, um, or you know top twenty five. No, no, not at all. Um, no. Uh, well, so there have been uh, about 15 uh, games, uh, about 65% of games have been decided by 21 points or more, including nine of those by four touchdowns or more in the Big Ten. And I just think that is showing the divide in the Big Ten. Oh, it's of, the East exactly. versus the Red, and then, and excluding Maryland and Rutgers. I mean, you t- it's literally Ohio State, Penn State, UM. Michigan State, then, and even Michigan State's been down. This oh yeah, year. they've, they've been down the last couple of yeah. years. So really, it's the big three over there, and then you had Wisconsin, and then Minnesota's finally showed up over. Yeah, it's the really West. been it's and really Iowa, been Minnesota, Iowa, and then kind of a revolving. You've door. got six teams. Northwestern was good last mm-hmm. year. Minnesota's good this year. Stuff like you've that. got six teams in the Big Ten. That's it. So then uh, to the SEC, you have five ranked teams, and I will say the Big Ten may be predictable and not as entertaining, but as far as power goes. They have the most of the conferences ranked in the top 25 with seven teams. The SEC is next with five teams. Those five teams uh, are the five teams with two losses or less. The favorite has won 83% of games uh, of conference games wow. in the SEC. 73% of those conference games have been uh, decided by an 11-point or more margin. Wow. Um, yeah, I think the, that's funny. Um, now that you're rattling stuff off, it makes me think. Um, five years ago, I would have said, "Man, you know, remember the SEC five years ago? Oh, oh yeah, that oh, was yeah. a wild." Um, as as much as it pained me to say, that was like the best conference in football, top to bottom. It was bottom. so entertaining. They they feasted on each other. Now it's it's the East is a joke. It's Georgia, and then Florida's not that. It's it's Georgia. Um, well, and speaking of Georgia, it. This this all came off of uh, after Georgia uh, lost to South Carolina. Coach Kirby Smart said that this was an example of what goes on the, in the SEC. And he says, quote, when you play in the SEC every week, you've got to be at your best because every team is 100% capable 
of uh, out physicaling you and outplaying you. Nah, you just didn't show up, buddy. Um, yeah, it was it was it was getting overlooked because that's what yeah, happens yeah, in a lot yeah. of te- you know you see it in every in some conferences, but you also see teams lose Look, to FCS schools. Can, can, can Purdue beat Ohio? Yeah, we've seen it. I mean, Purdue can beat Ohio State. Yeah, I mean they, they had the a talent range, but realistically, when we're talking about who, if you show up, you're you should win. And there's there's a there's a big depth there in the SEC now as well. It's not top to bottom anymore. It's very top heavy. Yeah, there are about what f- yeah four or five teams that are yeah. De- yeah, that are decent to really good. And then there's you know right. there's a ton of Vandy's, UK's, Tennessee's, uh, Arkansas, Arkansas, both the Mississippi, South teams. Carolina. I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, so then next you have the Big Twelve. Um, <laughs> And Zach, I know you have strong feelings on the Big Twelve, I hate as the do Big I. 12. They uh, have four ranked teams, though, still in the top twenty-five. Uh, they only have the one undefeated team in Baylor. They have one loss, Oklahoma. Uh, they only have three teams in the entire conference that have a conference record of over five hundred. They should have taken UC. I am still confused by that. Um, they could have so taken Longhorn, UC and SMU, though. Because the Longhorn Network, and uh, they don't want to lose money, even though they would be a better conference. So, and, and that's where Fair. I'm getting at with this, is that you have the predictability uh, that you do, and it might not always be as entertaining that in the Big Ten or the SEC, but that is where your powerhouses are. The Big Ten has seven ranked schools. Right. The SEC has five. The American That's and the big of your twenty-five. Damn, I exactly. That. Damn. The American, the, but the next eight then are made up of the American and the Big Twelve, who each have four ranked teams. The American Fair. has more teams getting voted on than the Big Twelve does. I think that says something. And right? so the Big Twelve has all those individual deals, TV mm-hmm. deals, and now the American with their new deal with ESPN, each school is getting seven million dollars annually. That's huge. So money. You, you're separated from that, not only in that money. But with the ranked uh, schools that you have now and the conference that you've built, not only in football, but basketball as well. So you're separating yourselves from the other group of five schools Mm -hmm. and you're pretty much equal with two of the power fives in uh, the Big 12 and the ACC. Right. Here's a good point you brought with the the basketball end of it. Um, I mean, the Americans are a pretty solid basketball conference really um i mean i think better top to bottom you know probably than the sec uh oh, pack- certainly i mean definitely better than the big 12 which doesn't bring anything to the table when it comes to basketball um they have kansas and that's it yeah they have kansas and and the shock of smart experiment that's about to run out of texas and then the pack 12 is just nowhere well so the yeah pack 12 got two teams into the tournament last year one because they won the conference tournament and then one into the first four oh my god well and then the pac 12 in football right now has two teams ranked in the top 25 they're actually both ranked in the top 10 Mm -hmm. um they're two one loss teams the underdog has won 50 percent of the conference games though 60% 60% of games have been decided by 10 points or less. That, yeah, there's a bunch of there's been a bunch of wild, you know, I mean, four that, point underdogs. The Pac-12's always been wild, but it's just um man, it's it's the interesting correlation that you see that as the Big 10 and SEC they have the higher ranked teams yet less exciting, less entertaining games to watch where you have your lower conferences in the Pac-12 and the ACC. The ACC, 30% of their conference games have been decided by three points or less. Yeah. 
No, it's um having said all that, I think you have to look at the American and figure out where they fit in with all of this. Because the American, I think, right now is one of the most entertaining. They're the yeah. perfect middle ground conference. Yeah, it's not yeah, too yeah. predictable. They have ranked teams. They have some of the let's the, just the go power six teams. and get and move away from the NCAA. Then we don't have, to have the BS sanctions and all that crap that they don't know how to do. I mean, it's it, it not what they're doing. And and I mean, at that point, then because at, at that point, then you have to look at do we reformat the college football playoff now with six power conferences? Like mm-hmm. how much how much room are how many teams? Hey, are you Notre actually Dame join a, a conference, and then you can be in the playoff, the top six. Here's how you get I'd in the conference. I'd love to have Notre Dame in the Here's American. how you get into the college football Well, it, you, they'd be in the Big Ten, but... They should, but they, they should won't. should be in the Big they Ten, won't, but they won't. just to piss everybody off, and it won't make sense. Whatever, just join a conference because you're too afraid to join the Big Ten. Here's my point. You go to make the, make the American a power six. You got six conferences, six champions go, two, um, and then two wild cards, and then you got an 18 playoff. Boom. Yeah. I mean, and that's then all you got to do. Give people a chance to play at home. And that yeah. would bring in big revenue, big chances, and oh, it would yeah. give a chance to the teams that play in more difficult environments. I mean, imagine uh, Florida having to come up come, to come to Columbus, come in to Columbus, December. Or, Good luck. Heck, yeah. imagine them trying to come to Minnesota in December. Oh, Minnesota. Yeah, that's what I mean. I, lo- I would love to see these. That's SEC what I'm teams saying. I think. North. I think when you look at this whole thing, if you get the American to the power conference level and you make them a power conference, then I think it just does so much good. Yeah, it evens for, things out. For everything. For yeah, all right, that's what I mean, yeah. Get get six teams and then get get a playoff that you don't have to worry about all this stuff. You no, get no. the winners and then you get a couple of wild cards and that way if you win your conference, you're in. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And exactly. That's what I wish yeah. they would place more emphasis right. on winning I do the too, conference Because it still should be fun. Teams should still be fighting to win your championship. Hey, hell, even if it was like, I know people are like, oh man, but what if Ohio State was undefeated? And obviously not this year, but you're thinking a few years back, maybe they lost to a nine and three Northwestern. I mean, as Ohio State, I'd be pissed. But anybody other fan, that'd be exciting as shit. Oh yeah, right. That's what's fun about it when a team yeah. sneaks in. You're like, oh. Well, that's always the cool part. You look at, I mean, heck, in, in other tournaments, maybe in other divisions and stuff like that, someone sneaks into a wild card, sneaks into an eight seed. Sneaks into the you know the NCAA tournament because they win their conference tournament. That's fun. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes Northwestern would get in, have to go to Tuscaloosa and get rolled. Right, right. But sometimes it's maybe fun. they'd go out to Oregon and they'd win. There you go. Sometimes That's maybe fun. they'd go somewhere and they. I, mean, I think I agree. I think bye bye NCAA. They can take over the rest of the conferences, but the power six should move away, do their own tournaments, do everything. Everything would be even. Yep. You could you could even have. You can even do it east west. Oh yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. That'd be fun. Either way. There's a lot of things they could do. Well, now that uh we've got the blood boiling, <laughs> it's time for uh our closers. First off, we're starting off with Zach Zingers. Zach, who are you zinging this week? I'm gonna have a real quick one. I really couldn't think of one this week. I was I was on my anniversary trip. But uh just just uh Oh wow my guy guys. I love to throw out <laughs> James Franklin, uh, just a fun stat here. Uh, two and nine on the road versus ranked teams at Penn State. Um, I did not think they were a fourth ranked team. I was shocked that they were in the top four thing, like most of us were. As much as I hate, hate on Clemson, I thought they were going to be. And, you know, I, Minnesota came out and really controlled that game. Um, so I obviously give tips to uh, PJ Fleck, but hey, Penn State, I think it's time to go. 
Time to go. He back, can't back get it, it done. Back it um, that's my zinger. Yeah, if you can't get it done, then I guess figure out someone who can. They've been saying that in a couple different places in the Big Ten. Uh, Josh, who are we jeering this weekend? Um, uh, so my jeer is going to be, uh, and I, I want to phrase this delicately because we're all in this. We are all in this together as Bengals fans, and I know we want to support the team and everything. But the attendance at Paul Brown Stadium today for the 0-9 Cincinnati Bengals was 45,000. 45,000 people went to that game or paid <laughs> paid to have tickets to this game today. 45,000. That is about, I think, 20,000 shy of full capacity there. But still, 45,000 people want to go and watch that. 45,000 people want to give their money to Mike Brown. 45,000 people are okay with an 0-9 team that has absolutely no direction. It's one thing if we had been told like kind of what the plan is here and kind of what's going on, where we're headed, what we're looking and for. And if there was a path as far as selling off veterans, stuff like that. Yeah, right? if there was any sort of light down a tunnel that they were directing us towards and at least some – Hell, I'd take Mike Brown just appearing in front of a podium and answering <laughs> one single question. But there's not. And people are settling for this and paying that family money for this 0-9 mess we're in. 45,000 people go to Paul Brown Stadium today. I don't believe it. If you drive one of those striped buses, then like seriously, like hit us up on Twitter and Facebook, 30 Rack Podcast. We can find you a new hobby. We can do like <laughs> – Basil plants or scrapbooking or something. It's not even that the row and nine. You brought the good point. And what we said last week, there's no obvious plan. Nobody knows what they're doing there. It's it's a complete like, you know, there was one banner today, and I'll I will give and end my jeer on a positive note here. There was one banner at the stadium today in front of an empty section of stands, and it said, if you fix it. Day will come. <laughs> I saw that one. I like that. That's cool. That's, that's cool. Reggie? All right. Now we're on to my grumble. And um, my grumble is based off something that I was grumbling about early in the show. Uh, Freddie Kitchen's play calling. As we've already mentioned, uh, six plays from within the two-yard line with no points. First time in NFL history. But um, there was a interesting little Reddit post on the Browns Reddit by uh, user uh, Ryan underscore FM talking about the difference of how Baker performs in um, 11 personnel, which would be one tight end and one running back versus 12 personnel, which would be 12 and 13 personnel, which is two to three tight ends and a running back. And I don't want to bore you all with too many stats, but basically what it shows is between the end of last year when they were playing so well, the last nine weeks, first the first eight weeks of this year, um, they were 27th in 11 personnel, for the uh, last eight weeks of last season, ninth and 12, while this year they're third and 11 personnel and 27th and 12 personnel, using a lot more three wide receiver sets because of Odell and Landry. But their success rate, they're uh, top five both years in 12 personnel, while this year in 11 personnel, they are 32nd in success rate. And as far as overall QB ranking, this year, when they are in 11 personnel, he has a 60 quarterback ranking, which is just above the Jets. In 12 personnel, he is third in QB rating, 
only behind Tom Brady and Russell Wilson. At some point, you have to realize what works, works. If we're scoring touchdowns, people aren't going to be as upset. Right now, what you're doing is not getting Odell and Landry too involved, so they're already upset. So getting them on the field and not getting them completions isn't going to help. Put Baker in 12 personnel, get the yards, get the completions, get the wins. You know what works, and you know what Baker's comfortable with. So figure it out, because all the stats are right there. So I've been saying about the Browns all year, man. The pieces on they paper, had the talent. it's all right there. It's yeah, all sloppy right there. and bad play. And that's the one thing that you can tell, and a lot of people have been putting it on Baker. And I'm not going to say Baker's free of criticism, but there are just certain things that have changed from this year to last year that have changed Baker, and a lot of it's play calling. Yeah. And you'd be amazed how well, I mean, you look at a guy like Jared Goff, having Jeff Fisher play calling versus Sean McVay play calling. And right now, Freddie's in over his head. He's calling. The play calling's been poor, and and it's affecting everybody. All right, I'm done with my rant now. Shout outs. We can get shout to our shout outs before we end the show. Zach, who are you shouting out? Um, I'm going to shout out to Roberto Robo Perez winning his first gold glove and uh, also winning the Wilson Defensive Player of the Year. He'll probably win the platinum. And I just want to shout out to my beautiful wife, Toria, puts up with me from one year from today. Yes, happy happy anniversary. God, I feel so, I feel so bad for her, but <laughs> uh, my shout out goes to Kaylin Bennett from Kent State. Not to be confused with Caitlin Bennett, who <laughs> might be the gun girl, but Kaylin Bennett was uh, earlier was the first Division One player with autism to get a D one scholarship. Well, uh, this week on Wednesday, he was the first Division One player with autism to score points in the game. It was late in the game in a blowout, but uh, That's really cool, a though. huge, I mean, just a huge deal for him. It's something, you know, with someone uh, someone who comes from a family with uh, someone in autism, it's, in it, it's just a huge step forward for the community. And it's just something that you can show that, you know, if you set your mind to something, uh, you know, there are certainly people in the autism community that can do everything that you know they want to so it's it's certainly a big occasion and certainly something really cool to see josh who's your shout out uh my shout out is going to be the newest member of the cincinnati bearcat family our new live mascot uh our baby bearcat or binturong as they're called um what? <laughs> that, that's their actual that's the actual yeah, name of the animal oh, right, the real yeah. name of the binturong uh, but the Bearcat, as they're known, um, down at the Cincinnati Zoo, you can go see her in the children's zoo. She has a name now, Lucille the Bearcat. Ooh. Lucille! Grow up Lucille. to be our new live mascot. So shout out to uh, Lucille and the wonderful team down at the uh, Cincinnati Zoo. So thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh, be sure to subscribe, rate five stars, leave a fun review. Shout out 50 West. It's Shout out 50 West. West. Coast to Coast IPA. Fantastic beer. Make sure to follow us, 30 Rack Podcast, on Facebook and Twitter. We will see you guys next week. Thank you so much. Peace. Peace. Peace.